Matthew chapter 24 and verse 14, it says this, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then the end will come. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached as a witness unto every nation, and then the end will come. So I think what we're doing is we're discovering what the gospel of the kingdom is as we discover that it maybe is different than the one that we had thought, not that the one that we had had before was wrong. It just wasn't the gospel of the kingdom, that there is a message, something that Jesus came to be able to share with us and talk to us about. And as we discover that, the Bible says, as this particular teaching, this particular message comes out in a, in a rejuvenated way in the earth, that is the sign of the end times. And so we know that not only is this an awesome season that we are in, and believe me, end times can last a thousand years, so you don't have to go home and pack. But the, the, the season that we are coming into is the final season in the kingdom. Now turn with me over to Luke chapter 8. In Luke chapter 8, we hear Jesus now in his ministry talking to us about a very similar thing. And I want to draw your attention to something that is perhaps, uh, I'm just going to go with it, that it is a God-intended um, translation. Because I found something very interesting. If you look here in verse 1, are you all there in Luke chapter 8? Does anybody in here have the Jubilee 2000 Bible translation? Does anybody of you have that in here? Nobody has that? Okay. And it came to pass, verse 1 says, and it came to pass afterwards that he went throughout every city and village preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God and the 12 were with him. And so you recognize in there it says the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. That word glad tidings is the word uangalizo. Uh, uh, that word uangalizo is the word that we use everywhere else in the Bible to translate the word gospel. There is only one trans English translation that I have been able to find, the Jubilee 2000 translation, that actually translates, put that word, put that back up there for me, Caleb, please, that, that translates that word uangalizo as gospel. Every other translation refers to it as the glad tidings, the good news. What else? Does anybody else have anything else in here? It has the message. It has just the kingdom of God. But it never refers, only one translation, although the accurate translation of that scripture would be that Jesus to bring the gospel of the kingdom of God. And then it goes on, as you will know, in Luke chapter 8, it goes on to talk about then, if let's go to verse 4. In verse four, it's uh, verse five, uh, verse four. And when much people were gathered together and were come, uh, come to him out of every city, he spake unto them by a parable, and he being Jesus here. And he goes on to talk about the gospel of the king, the message that he talks about as the good news or the gospel of the kingdom is this message now that starts off, a sower went to sow. And so the parable that Jesus is referring to here, or what is, if you had to answer that for yourself, what is the gospel of the kingdom? The gospel of the kingdom is very specifically the parable we know as the parable of the sower. And the message of this gospel is profoundly important in the, in the uh, foundational uh, establishment of the New Testament that Jesus Christ came to build. Now, what we recognize then is that because of this, and I'm not saying it's only because of this, and I'll have to say that it's God intended to do it because every translation in the English language except one 
translates this in the other way than using the word gospel. I think because it would have become confusing, as we are all being a little confused by this message right now, when we thought, coming into this place, that we knew what the gospel of the kingdom was. Jesus died on the cross, and because you believe that Jesus died on the cross, paid the price for your sins, you're going to go to heaven when you die. I'm not saying that's not a gospel. It is the gospel. It is the gospel of Christ, the Messiah, or the messianic good news that the Messiah came in order to set us free and give us eternal life. It just, it's not that that one's not right. It is that we have to, in order to get the benefit of Jesus dying on the cross, we have to believe it. Jesus died on the cross 2,000 years ago, but your salvation didn't come 2,000 years ago. Your salvation came when? When you believed in your heart and confessed with your mouth. And now what we're entering into this amazing season where believing is not going to be such a complicated process anymore. As you're going to discover today, as we begin to dig into this, we are going to discover that believing is very, very, very specific. It is something very intentional and very particular. The only problem is for us in the kingdom, we really haven't been able to master this understanding of how do we help somebody believe. Even as I've had opportunity to be all over the place talking with ministers and talking with Christians and talking with all kinds of different environments around the world, uh, their, their hope is that if you just keep coming to church... If you just keep sitting under messages, if you just keep hearing the, the truth, that it's going to transform you. And it does have that ability. Uh, you know, even a broken clock is right twice a day. And so you have that ability or the testimonies that are going on in your lives and the lives of those who you love, who have seen the goodness of God, who have seen the increase, who have seen this uh, anecdotal evidence that if you just do come to church after a while, you do get a bit. Well, we're getting into a season now where the, uh, the gospel of the kingdom, the message that Jesus came to here to deliver to us, is going to become a central message in, the New, Testament, in New Testament Christianity. So it's not going to be about a religious thing where born again was kind of like your entry place. So, you know, the, uh, the non-born again people go there and the born again people go here. That's not really what Jesus was talking about. He wasn't setting up religions. He knew the problem in setting up religions. He was trying to get us set free. He wasn't trying to get us bound into a new sense of boundness. Although it's better to be bound in religion than it is to be bound in anything else, that that's still not the objective. The objective is, is that we would get set free. And so if you turn over to Romans chapter 3 with me, let's begin to discover... Uh, a little bit about the gospel of the kingdom and understanding how do you use it? Because I remember Dan Tyrone, a very close friend of mine, was one of my mentors uh, in my early years. I can still remember, I can't exactly give you the place on the street, but it was on uh, one of the streets and we were out evangelizing and going door to door. That was something that we used to do a lot more of back then. <coughs> Excuse me, a little bit of Mexico still stuck, or cappuccino, or would it be the cream, or would it be Mexico? I don't know. Or maybe it was three hours of sleep that's backing up on me here. But I remember Dan Tyrone telling me that when, uh, at, just we were walking together, and he said, it seems from the scriptures that walking by faith isn't a mystery. That in fact, you can learn to walk by faith on purpose 
and on demand. And I was a Catholic boy, you know, I was a little bit further ahead than that at this point, but that really didn't make any sense to me. It wasn't something, miracles were things that we believed for, that we spun a lottery wheel for, or we did something like that for. And he was, we were talk through all these scriptures as we were out doing our thing, and, it said, and he said those, and those words have stuck with me all along. Since then, I could take you back to that spot. I think about those words often. As we begin to go down this road of really understanding how faith works and using it on purpose and on demand. So that you can, remember that when Jesus went into that little city of Maine or Marin or something like that, and he just happened to stumble along a funeral that was coming through the middle of town. Do you remember that story? And you know, it wasn't like, oh, hallelujah, Lord, I saw that in my dream last night. And so, no, that wasn't what happened. He just stumbled upon it, the Bible says. And he saw the mother who was grieving because this was her only son. And so what did Jesus do? He says, oh, if only God would have told me to raise that kid from... No, he literally just walked up to the funeral and he raised that boy from the dead. On purpose, on demand. Philip comes up to Jesus and he says, Jesus, these guys are hungry. Jesus goes, what? He's, do you remember Jesus is the guy that stays up all night and day, fast for 40 days? Like, hunger wasn't a big problem for Jesus. So these guys come to him and say, you know, they're hungry. So Jesus goes, Philip, you take care of it. He wasn't even thinking. It wasn't like there was this great master plan. I got this big miracle coming like uh, David Copperfield. You know, I got this big miracle coming for you. He just says, Philip, you go to, oh, okay, fine. Jesus blesses a a little lunch, and as he blessed that little lunch, shazam, what appears to be magic happened on purpose, on demand, just as Jesus decided at that moment. You can go now through scripture after scripture after scripture, and realizing that walking by faith is is not like this mysterious thing that comes and goes like the wind. It does come and go like the wind if I'm trying to wire one of these lights, and I don't know how to wire lights. How many of you ever tried to do that? Kind of come and goes, right? I remember trying to fix the, a, a, leaky fa- a, lot of leaky faucet, you know, the copper piece underneath. I don't do that anymore. Thank goodness for Jason. Let's all bow down. Jason, you're awesome. <laughs> I'm telling you, I tried to weld that sucker until I had to replace the pipe 12 times. It's just not as easy. And then all of a sudden, boop. I don't know how it worked, and I don't know why it worked. It just didn't leak anymore. But it took me three and a half hours to do something that Jason does in 30 seconds. Do you know what the difference is? Sorry? He knows what he's doing. So in Romans chapter 12, uh, I mean, Romans chapter 3, look with me here. And in verse um, 27, where is boasting then? Is it included by what law of works? Nay, by the law of faith. So Paul reveals to us something here about faith. And that is that it is a law. Now, how many of you know what this sign here means? How many of you know what that sign means? That means that the speed limit is what? (laughs) Right. Can I tell you that This tells us that the speed limit is 100 kilometers maximum. 
If you, let me, let me show you something. If you are driving down the street and there you go through an underpass and there's one of your friendly neighborhood police officers sitting there and you're going by at 119, you are breaking the law and he can pull you over and give, he doesn't until, Nancy, of course, until 120, that's what we know now. They kind of let you go at 120, but that's not, the, that's not actually the case. If you're going 101, he could give you a speeding ticket. And there is nothing, you know, we wouldn't appreciate that, of course. But he, how many of you know that the cop, the police, excuse me, the police officer could give you a ticket at 101? Yes. How about if that police officer waited for you every single day <laughs> under that underpass? Day, Monday, you drive by at 120, and he pulls you over, and he says, speed limit's 100. I'm not going to give you a ticket today. How many of you have been in this situation? <laughs> I remember I did this down on Jarvis Street there. I went by, I was, I was driving a sedan at the time, and they were, this was when seatbelts were first coming in. And so I was, to this day, but bless the Lord, I was, really wasn't good at it back then. And so I'm driving down to you know, the parkway there, and uh, the, I'm, the, cops are, the police officers excuse me, are standing two by two on each side of the road watching people go through. So I'm oblivious. I got place to go things to do, right? So I'm not even thinking about the fact that I'm not strapped in. And so then they pull me over, they stop, and they didn't pull me over, they just sort of did the, you know, put your seatbelt on as I drove by. Now I had a, you know, I was driving a nice car, it was a, you know, sedan, nice car kind of thing. Go to Jarvis Street, I think I was banking or something like that down there, turn around, come all the way back right by. Can you, do you know where the story's going, folks? Sure enough, but how many of you know he wasn't merciful the second time? Isn't that true? Why? Because he told me, because wearing a seatbelt is what in Canada? It's a law. It's a law. So I'm more Captain Barbosa. I like laws to be more like guidelines. They're not guidelines. Because we treat laws like they are guidelines, when God says it's the law of faith, we say that's more of a guideline. And then we wonder why we don't get it to work. How many of you are glad when they wired this building, they didn't treat electronics uh, as guidelines? They treat them, if you have the electronics guys in here or the electricians in here, and they're doing something, and they're, you know, I don't know how many volts or watts or amps or whatever comes into a building, but this not, we're not fooling around here. This place has got a lot of juice coming into it, and so you don't want somebody that does this stuff and just treats everything as though they are guidelines. They're just suggestions, but they're not suggestions. Where we run into problems with trying to figure out faith in our own life is that we think about it in the sense of guidelines. And so when we try to do something like wire the lights, if you imagine, I don't know, where the main panel comes in by the men's washroom there and then goes into the back area behind the kitchen there and then gets zooped about, there's about six or eight different fuse panels in this place and then the wires happen and the switches happen and then the fixtures happen and then the bulbs happen and all of that system goes into place in order to get this bulb right here to turn on. If we were just using guidelines and then we decided, we say, okay, we're going to have church now, flip, and we flip the switches on and stuff didn't work, we would have a real mess to figure out why it's not working.
And we go change the bulb, and the, cha- the bulb didn't, it still wouldn't turn on. Then we change the fixture, and the fixture wouldn't turn on. And then we change, I don't know, we'll go back to the street and see if we can knock a pole down, see if that helps it. And <laughs> haphazardly going through all this process, how many of you know, you'd say, after a while, certainly we'd get frustrated and say, you know, this electricity thing, it doesn't work. The reason that they say it doesn't work is not that it doesn't work. It's that the people who put all the pieces together were really looking at it more like guidelines, suggestions. This would be nice. The white one should go with the white one. The black one should go with the black one. But, you know, more fashion-oriented people, they would like the black to go with the white. Goes better. Right? Younger people, they'll say, what black? You don't need that wire. And all of these things would come in and... We would be, how many of you say, well, yeah, gosh, that sounds a lot like the New Testament. We say, I'm not sure how this works. But we're going to discover today, even as we only have a few minutes with this, it's not actually that complicated. It's just not guidelines. It's precision. Can I tell you something? It was amazing what happened on earth. In the 1600s, this fella, uh, a Newton, he discovered gravity. Do you know that ever since then, gravity's been working? (laughs) You know that gravity was working even when we didn't understand it, right? Same with this. It's working all the... It's a law. Faith is a law. It's working all the time. Whether you're a believer, you're not a believer, whether you love Jesus or you don't love Jesus, whether you're a good guy or a bad guy, whether you're a boy or a girl, whether you're smart or you're not, or whether you're right brain or left brain, (laughs) it works every time. Even when you don't know that it's working, it's working. Do you know I'm a lot bigger man than I was last time you saw me? Six pounds, as a matter of fact, bigger. (laughs) I'm thinking to myself, like, when did that happen? Somebody's, I know it's somebody tinkering with the machine that I stood on. No, it's working, right? How many of you know that? It's working. You see, gravity's going to work even if we don't understand it. Faith is like that. And now if we could stop, and why I've taken all of this year in order to get all the rudimentary pieces, let's look at this. What did Jesus say when he was here? He's talking about being transformed in the things that we believe. Because if he could get us transformed into things that we believe, he's going to set us free. Our lives and the dreams and the visions and the purposes of our very lives, which would appear to us to be impossible, by a thousand miles impossible, all of a sudden begin to come into focus. All of a sudden you can begin to see them. And once you can begin to see them because you're being set free, your head is coming above the water, and all of a sudden you can see. You know, we were out, uh, they had these little catamarans back where, we, you know, the, the little hotel that we were at had these little catamarans. And so catamarans are little boats that float on top. And then the next day, we went scuba diving, we went under the water. All of a sudden, all these fish came in that day when we were scuba diving. No, those fish were there. Hello? Those fish were there, and we were zooping across the top. <clears throat> What's the difference? The difference is I had the goggles on and I could see them. That's how all of this is. Is that when you begin to see how this works, you can see everything now. You can see the lives of other people and how the word of God in some transforms them and in others it doesn't. And some people think we go to the same church. 
Maybe it's in family. But it's... Let's, let's, can we yell back? Can we yell back? I'll teach them, eh? <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, let's do this. Okay, so remember now, the important thing is that we're always, the number one thing about that we always have to keep in mind when we're dealing with faith. Faith has got to be in three levels. Spirit, soul, and body. Or we're going to say the natural realm. The whole natural realm. And the key to faith is going to be the alignment of these three things. So if I believe in the spirit that I'm going to die young, and then in my soul I say I'm going to live forever, live forever, live forever, live forever, live forever, live forever. And in my, in my natural, with my words and my deeds, I say, take my pills, take my pills, do da 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 Now I'm saying don't take your pills. But let's say that we do that, take your pills... That's not aligned. Do you see that? And so you have got a fear coming in here. And even though your expectation is good and your words are good, you've got this wrong down here. You have the exact opposite thing happen. You can have a live forever belief, like most Christians do. We know. We're gonna, how many of you know you're going to live forever? Anybody in here going to live forever? Yeah. Right? Maybe not here, thank goodness, but we're going to live forever. That's a good belief system. But what if your expectation is that I'm going to live in misery all my life. Life is pain. And that, you know, I'm going to get sick. Or I'm, I'm going to go broke. Keeps coming out of my mouth. I don't have any money, don't have any money, don't have any money, don't have any money, don't have any money. Yeah. You see, that's not aligned. And so uh, this alignment right here is what takes what's the truth in the spirit, gets it through your expectation. So this is your belief. That's your expectation, and these are your words or your deeds. The Bible calls them here seeds. So the seeds that you sow, those three things have to be in order. No matter what we're doing as we begin to learn this process, always have it in your mind, that the alignment of the three pieces of my humanness, my spirit, my soul, and my natural, or my words, my deeds. All of those things have to come into alignment. And the way that the New Testament is all about, in, on every single page of your Bible, what God is doing is showing us something to do with having this alignment happen. Even when he's, you know, if you go, the, the later stuff where he's talking about our church environment. What's the church environment all about? The church environment isn't about taking up tithes, although that's what everybody thinks it's about. The church environment is about creating this alignment so that we live with each other, we're with each other, we're, we're going through things, struggling things together. All of the purpose of that is create the alignment. As soon as the alignment <clears throat> happens, like, it's like magic, like the electricity. You know, you could have 50 different components of getting the electricity to this light bulb so that it shines on me. And one thing could be wrong in the system. And then somebody goes along and says, oh, this wire fell off. They put that wire back on, and what happens? Pow. 
If if somebody beamed ahead 500 years, they'd go, oh, a miracle happened. It wasn't a miracle, just that they put the wire on. That's the same thing that happens to us when we walk by faith. And the reason that people have so much difficulty in walking by faith is because they don't understand. Just push all of this stuff into alignment. If you push it into it, now the best thing is that you don't have to push anything. You're just in the flow, right? Once you're in the groove, like the catamaran, you know, you work a long time to get it all set up. And then once you set up, I lay back, let the machine do it by itself because it's in the groove. It's taken its own way and it can go for 20 minutes all by itself. That's what we want. But sometimes we have to do the labor to enter into that rest part. And the laboring part of it is getting us into this alignment, Set yourself. The whole world, especially for us, can I tell you, the world, I, I don't know if this is news, the world's full of fear. Didn't know if you got that one. They're full of negatives all the time. And, you know, how you doing? Not bad. I, I mean, on the beach in Mexico, how are you doing? Not bad. How's everything going? Yeah, it's all right. It's the way we talk. Our expectation, we're just used to thinking about things that way. And our, our, the way our brains work. You wake up in the morning. How many of you wake up in the morning? Can't wait to get at the day. Monday morning, woo! We don't do that. It's all negative. It's just, you know, I, I wish I could say it from the pulpit. It's the same crap, different day. Right? It's the same thing. And it's negative all the time. But that's like, those are ruts. Those are ways of thinking. They're not right because you think that way. They're not right. Oh, this is everybody in our culture talks. It's our, it's our vernacular in North America. Okay, it's wrong. And you got to stop because I don't care if they told you back where you're from that the white wire goes with the black wire. Here in North America, the white wire goes with the white wire and the black wire goes with the black wire. That's Do it right. wrong, it's going to fry your finger. That's just how it's going to go. Yeah. And you got to change. You got to just say, okay, this is what I got to do. I got to stop. When I wake up in the morning and you feel that nasty feeling and your emotions get out of control or somebody comes and, you know, spits in your cornflakes, you got to know how to deal with that. Because the negative emotion that's automatically going to rise up based on a belief system is going to, if you don't watch it, it's going to come out your mouth. And then all of a sudden, I believe people take advantage of me. I think they're about to take advantage of me. And now they're taking advantage of me. And I line up that way. I'm the law here. I lined it up. And then I set it. And then you can't figure out why. It just keeps getting worse. People just keep taking advantage of me more and more. (laughs) It's a law. Now, you're okay. Like people ask me, you know, if they came to me and say, so if I say that I'm an octopus, does that make me an octopus? No. Because it's not just your words. Do you believe you're an octopus? That's a tough thing to believe. Some, some easier than others. You see, the problem is, this is what I was, I had a lunch with a fellow the other day. He was a wonderful young man and asked me some very provoking questions, which was wonderful for me. This was one of them. You know, if you believe you're an octopus, does it make you an octopus? And I said, well, do you believe you're an octopus? No. Well, then you're not going to go say it if you like. Now, be careful, because if you keep saying it too much, after a while, they're going to lock you up, because you're going to think you're an octopus. 
But the problem is, God didn't say you were an octopus. And so you have to have, the reason the word of God is so important, as we kind of jump ahead here, the reason that the word of God is so important, remember we were talking about the fear of the Lord before? That I can submit my mind, which I think I'm right in every situation. Ask my wife. I absolutely... I, my mind is not going to submit to your suggestion that I'm an octopus. It's like, yeah, okay. I'm going to blow it off. And so even though we can go down this road of trying to convince yourself that you're an octopus, you're not going to be able to do it because you, your mind won't submit to that concept because it knows that you're not, right? But if your mind says that you're an idiot or you're stupid or you're going to fail... Yeah. And then you can submit your mind to something else who you think is more right than you. It's the key to the, it's the whole key to the Christianity is that I can say, you know what? I feel like an orphan, act like an orphan, think like an orphan, but God says our father. What do I do with that? I'm not going to say, okay, yeah, okay. I just want to have a positive day here. So, okay, I'm happy, 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 happy. My mind is going, no, you're not, no, you're not, no, you're not. I remember we used to we learned faith in the beginning. You know, I you know we go. I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm healed. Every say every minute I say I'm healed. I'm remembering that I ain't. And it hurts. It hurts. It hurts. My mind is saying it hurts. It hurts. It hurts. Even though my tongue is saying I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm healed. Yeah. The more times I say I'm healed, the more times my brain says it hurts. It's not working. And I could you could go on until the cows come home. Align your soul. That's all you got to do. Align your soul. Align your body, uh, spirit, soul, and body, and then let her fly. Yeah. And you get better, right? You, the first time you do it, you, you, I'm an octopus. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm a child of God. Think about that one. God loves me like he loves Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. You don't know what I've done. Yeah. Is the first thought. Yeah. First thought. That's not true. Yeah. God don't care what you did. He knew what you did when he created, before he created you. He knew what you were going to do. You know, I know that this child that's inside of Jessica, he, she is going to poop on my couch. I can see it. I remember taking Jessica. We went and took Jessica. It's a wonderful... No, no. Took Jessica. No, Alex is now in a new zone. You know, he's... So we take Jess, first when we were saved, we take Jessica down. Uh, Jessica's just a newborn now. She's in diapers. Uh, you know the story. You know how this is going to go, right? So we're in the motor home and going down, and, we're, and I'm busy changing, and phew, just, that's what babies do. But we don't not love babies. I, I was merciful, right? I didn't, I didn't draw any pictures. We don't love babies because they make a mess. We love them, and we want them. That's how God treats us. Is it really that time? Okay, here we go. Too much chatting. Wrap it up, folks. Here's what, here's what the key is. Is that when we understand, and take this week to really think about that. Is my life of faith treated as though faith and the principles of faith are a law? There's a way to do it. I need to do it exactly the way I know to do it. And if I line up those things 
and I step into this place walking down this road of doing the things that I need to be doing, getting the word of God, a rhema word from God. Every morning when you wake up, say, Lord, what's my word for today? And you lock onto that word and you begin to align your spirit, soul, and body to, so that the, all of your being now, all of your cognitive presence, wherever you are, is lined up with that. You'll be shocked. You won't get through your first cup of coffee before you realize you've come out of alignment. This is how, this is how much it is. And then we wonder why God isn't blessing us or why the things we're believing for aren't working or this isn't da-da-da-da and faith don't work and all this kind of stuff. It needs to be that we stop a moment. You've probably heard everything that I'm going to say to you over the next couple of messages. You've probably heard it all before. But this is a new season now where we come back and we say, okay, God, if faith is a law and it's going to work on me, whether I know it or I don't, whether I understand it or don't, whether I use it or don't, then I'm going to start using it on purpose. I'm going to start directing my life, take seizing control of the life that God has given me and intends for me to live. And I'm going to do it the very simple way that God said to do it. I'm going to understand it. I'm going to use it. I'm going to see the results. And I'm going to keep on growing and growing and growing and growing and growing in the things of God and get done the destiny that God's put on the inside of me. Enough. Can I just, can I give you one more? I got three minutes. Gosh. Remember the chart? As we go through this chart, now this chart is going to line right up with the gospel of the kingdom. It's all about how we maneuver ourselves through this. That's why the Lord is having us watch this very easily reproduced image. As we work our way through this, from this point here of misery to this point here of blessing, all we have to do is understand everything as much as we can. And the more we understand about each individual piece of this puzzle, each zone here actually does something different. Feels different, acts different, it, we, we experience it differently in our humanity. As we begin to understand those things, it's kind of like Jessica, she's going through her pregnancy, there's certain things that you expect in the first trimester, certain things in the second trimester, third trimester, you know, then, you know, boo, 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 the baby comes out. It's different seasons, it's zones. And as long as we understand the zones, we're not freaked out by the zones. We just go through them knowing if I got this going on in my life, it must be that it's, it's working. How many of you say, oh, Jessica came over, she said she's eight months pregnant and she's flat as a board. You'd say, hmm, something's not right. How many of you say that? Hmm, something's not right. That must be one tiny baby. <laughs> no, you expect her to be voluminous. You're huge, as we said to her in Mexico. Oh, honey, you're huge. The only time I ever get to say that to a woman. So this is, the, this is the spot now. So if we can just begin to understand, and I promise you that the next time we're back together, which will be whenever, as we, I know Christmas is busy, lots of things going on, and we'll talk about that in a second. But as we go through this curve and understanding, this is absolutely not a complicated thing to do. It's just a precise thing to do. 
and you can't do this piece without this piece or this piece without this piece. It has to all be done simultaneously. You can't just line up your soul and not have a belief system or words to match your soul. You can't do one or the other. You have to have all three pieces lined up in a row. And as soon as you have those three pieces lined up in a row, stand back as you're about to see a miracle. Now it's not, and then you, then, then you come back to me and say, I put all the three things in a row and didn't get my miracle. That's not true. You didn't line something up. That's why it's important that we take this upside down. I'm not looking for you to tell me it works because of your experience. It works because the Bible says so. And then if you take that approach, I'm not looking to decide whether it works based on my experience. Because your experience at first may be a little troublesome. And so when you are, it's like learning to swim. Just because you didn't, you sunk the first time you tried doesn't mean you can't learn or that nobody knows how to swim. We have to realize it may take a little bit knowing that it's true. I tell you, if, I, if, it, if it was for me, if I didn't come into this game already believing that God was real and the Bible is true, I'd have been long gone. Long gone. Because learning some of this took us a while. But now when you come into it, I'll show you what it's going to feel like at every level, what you have to do at every level, how to make it work at every level to live an absolutely supernatural life. Then you got to do it. Don't treat this as though it's some kind of, you know, this is fun church model. I can tell you this model from a business sense. I can show it to you from a mechanical sense, from a medical sense, from an agricultural sense. Every area of life works just like this. Why? Because God works just like this. And he's not going to create a creation that's not working like he's working. Everything works this way. Every principle of success works this way. Every one of them. All we have to do is understand the basics. Then just do the basic. You'll get better. Of course you'll get better. But we want to start seeing life start to work so that things start producing, right? These are the zones for me. This is the, you know, this is the trouble zone here. This misery zone right here. I'll tell you what that is in the, in the later. It's the pity, what I call the pitiful zone. Wow. That was tongues. This is the interpretation of that. <laughs> this, is, this is the pitiful zone for most Christians. Simply because everybody, most people don't get through this point. Then the people that get through this point are the people in here. And they stuck with it to get to the pitiful zone. What you have to do is understand God didn't want you in the pitiful place. He wants you to go through this place up here into the blessing zone. All you have to do is, this is shocking. This is why the gospel of the kingdom is so amazing. All you have to do is understand how to do it. And then it's easy as anything to do it. And you get a little practice, you do it without even thinking about it. It becomes so natural to you. And so learning it simply paint by numbers, as Kenneth Hagin says. It's just paint by numbers. And we just need to go through it do the things that need to be done, and you'll see your life begin to be transformed supernaturally. Put your hand over your heart and say, Jesus, I'm ready for this. I'm here for such a time as this. You sent me here 
because you wanted to transform my life. And now you're going to show me item by item. That was a little bit of Mexico still coming back. <laughs> item by item. Item by item. Purpose by purpose. Purpose by purpose. I'm going to understand. I'm going to understand. How to walk by faith. How to walk by faith. How to be transformed. How to be transformed. How to fulfill my destiny. How to fulfill my destiny. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen.